good morning, good morning. Thank you guys for joining us today. My name is John. I am so excited. I'm so very excited. It's kind of odd that you get to take what you love to do by yourself and share it with other people. It's kind of odd, and, and today I get to do that, and that's, that's an honor. So the church, New Life Church, as you guys know, there's six different campuses speaking three languages, and right now the series that we're working through is on the Lord's Prayer. I got to be very honest. I was sharing this with Pastor Joe. When they asked me to speak on the Lord's Prayer, at first I was like, I've heard it for 20 years. What am I really going to dig out of this? And I was a little concerned going into it. But then as the week progressed, I got to the end of the week and I uh, talked to Pastor Joe this morning and I was like, can I get more time? Can I get a little more time? You know, I mean, I I was kind of sneaking it up because there's just so much here. So I'm going to I'm going to try my best not to like slide off into like a nerdy land by myself. But um, there's so much here. And, and, and the goal for today is kind of threefold, threefold. I want, to, I want us to expand our minds a little bit. For those of you who know me, that's like my thing. For those of you who don't know me, like that's my thing. So then I want, to, I want to expand the mind a little bit. But then I want to talk about like the spirit and kind of where we are right now. And then kind of go into the soul piece. Okay, is that okay? So let's all stand. We're going we're gonna to read the Lord's Prayer together. And uh, we're, we're going to pray because we're Christians and praying is good. And then after that, we're going we're gonna to jump into the message. Is that okay? Okay, so let's throw it up on the screen here. Uh, the prayer the church has prayed for ages. Let's read this together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just, we thank you for what you're going to do here today. So in your name we do pray. Amen. So I, I, have, I have one question that I'm going to invite you where you are right now to just close your eyes And I want you to, in whatever way that you can, envision the Lord asking you this question. This question, I believe, is from the Holy Spirit. And as I went through my week, I really felt the Lord asking me this question. And so that's that's the primary question I have before you today. And the question I want you to hear the Lord asking you is, can we just hang out? Can we just spend more time together? You may open your eyes. As we, as we go through today's lesson, I want you to keep that question in front of you. I want you to hear the Holy Spirit asking you that. There is going to be one key verse. So we just read the whole Lord's Prayer. Our emphasis is verse 10. So verse 10 is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to talk about those three sections. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we're going to have three points. Now, now wait. Now wait. Now if you're new to Manitou... The three-point thing has become a little ridiculous. I, I, f- I feel like I'm more Manitouian than I am American at this point. Like, I am so indoctrinated. So, you, you've, like, if you don't do three points, like, there's, like, a hole in the floor, you know? It's just kind of like Hades is waiting for you. So, um, we're, we're, so we're going to do, do three points, and that's going to be great. So before we get to, the, before we get to the, the, the first of the three points, the first section of verse 10 is your kingdom come. This verse is mentioned, this prayer is two times in Scripture. It's once in Matthew, it's once in Luke, okay? Both times, especially in Luke, is written to a Jewish audience. 
So how would a first century Jew think of kingdoms? So we're going to do a little history lesson. Welcome to my nerdy bus. Love history lessons. So we're going to do a little, well, I, I can't do a nerd alert. That's like Joe's thing. So I don't have a thing yet, but it's okay. We'll get there. So um, we're going to do a little history lesson. So if you guys want to throw up the first of the pieces there, and we're going to, we're going to talk about how a first century Jew would understand this. So remember, Jesus is explaining to these people. They're asking him in Luke. They're saying, how do we pray? The disciples come to Jesus. How do we pray? He shows them this prayer. And when he says, your kingdom come, for those of them that knew their history, this is where their mind goes. So prior to 1700 BC, so um, the last thing I want to say is many of you probably read your Bible in the standard order, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I would say who wants to do it with me all the way through and like hand out candy, but I have no candy, so it's fine. <laughs> However, the Bible in chronological order, the books go a little differently. So I kind of want to express that today a little bit as well. But in your Bible, in Genesis, we see the families of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. At that time in human history, we see this kind of a layout, where there's a family group led by the eldest man, okay? And the only real kingdom at that point is Egypt. Egypt had been, there were some, some things going on in China and various places, but as far as it relates to our context, Egypt is the world superpower, okay? If we go on to the next point here, we, we fast forward to Exodus, so the children of Israel are going to slavery for a number of years in Egypt, and when they come out of Egypt, the dynamic has changed a bit. So we still see a leader, but when they come out of Egypt, they've gotten so big, it, it can't just be one person leading the whole thing. We know, for those of you who have been in church for a while, you know that Moses tried that, didn't work out so well. So at this point in human history, they're led by judges. And there are, once again, there's kind of a growing number of kingdoms in the world, but Israel, as of this point, is not one of them. Let's go on to the next one. In around 1000 BC, so if you, read, if you read the Bible chronologically, after you come out of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, once you get into 1 Samuel, chronologically, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and 1 and 2 Chronicles take you all the way to the New Testament, chronologically. Psalms, all the prophets, all the minor and major prophets, the Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, they're all happening around these books. Does that make sense? And so we're going to kind of break that down in a little bit more depth. But at this point, we know the children of Israel want to become a kingdom. They actually say that. They say, we're tired of not being a kingdom. We want to be a kingdom. We want to have a king and chariots. And the Lord warns them. The Lord says, well, why can't we just hang out? Am, am I not good enough? Have I not been a good king? And they say, but we want to be like everybody else. I know you've never done this in your life. For those of you who have kids, I'm sure you hear this all the time, where they're just like, but Bobby's got a phone. And you're like, Bobby's two, though. Like, I don't know why Bobby has a phone, you know? I have a, I have a sister who's 12 years younger than me. And when she was four, she like figured out my password and had like a YouTube page. And like, I don't, I don't know. So anyway, in, in around the year 1000 BC, their, their wish is granted and Saul becomes the first king of Israel. And we see that this only lasts for a very short period of time, this united kingdom. There was Saul, there was David, and then there was Solomon. Super fun fact, another super nerdy thing. If you look at the, the timeline of David's reign, Saul and Solomon's reign are like, you have to put them together to get the same timeline. So like Saul's reign was 40 years, Solomon's reign was 40 years, and David's reign was 80 years. Go look at that. I, I, thought, that was, that was, I thought that was exciting. Anyway, so if we, if we go on to the next point... The, 
right around the time when Solomon dies, the Bible gets very, very interesting. So when Solomon dies, his son has an opportunity to be a better king than his father was. For those of you who have read the story, Solomon starts off awesome. But thanks to him surrounding himself with tons and tons and tons of wives, he finds himself distancing himself from God. And so when his son Rehoboam takes over, his servants come to him and say, are you going to be like your father or are you going to be better? And he decides, I'm going to be worse. (laughs) I'm going to be like way worse. Like you guys have seen nothing yet. So this causes a a, a huge split in the kingdom. His servant Jeroboam, so you can see his name there. Jeroboam, his servant actually takes 10 tribes with him and they become the northern half of the kingdom. Okay. And Rehoboam, you can throw the next one up. Rehoboam takes two tribes and they go to the south. Okay, so right now in human history, you can see the dates. Okay, so when this happens, we see Judah and Benjamin go with Rehoboam. Okay, and now it becomes in your Bible this this big divide because in the northern kingdoms, you have the prophets Elijah, Elisha, Amos, Hosea, even Jonah spent a little time trying to talk to these northern kingdoms. But each king that they had, so each division had 20 kings. But all 20 kings in the north displeased God, all of them. Only three of them even started good. You've heard of kings like King Ahab, wife whose name was Jezebel. He was a northern king. And it was just one mistake after the other. So in the year 722 BC, they were actually conquered by a stronger kingdom. I think the the lesson when the Lord comes to us and says, can we hang out? Can Can you and I spend time? If we say, no, I want to be my own king, then the Lord allows us to do that. But the problem was is that there was a stronger kingdom. If you try to play by this, this world's systems, then it's a, it's, a, it's a power struggle. And so they, they lost, they fell to Assyria. Well, the southern kingdoms, once again, you guys are in my nerdy land, so welcome. In the southern kingdoms, the, there was eight kings that were good. Hezekiah, Josiah, there were a few kings that were good. And they had the prophets down there, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel was down there. Uh, you guys have heard of Obadiah, right? So these were the prophets in the south. So it, took, it takes them a little bit longer, but they too eventually fall to another kingdom called Babylon. So the, where, your, where your Old Testament ends, even though your last book is Malachi, Malachi is the oldest, right before Malachi is actually the books of Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, even though they're before Psalms. Because after they go into captivity in Babylon, anyone know how long they were in captivity in Babylon? 70 years. There was a, a person by the name of Cyrus the Great. Have you heard of him? So Cyrus the Great was the man who formed the world's first true super, superpower. Does anyone know which country he formed? Which superpower? Persians. You get a gold star. You're doing awesome. So, so, the, so Cyrus the Great and the Persian army invade Babylon and help fulfill the prophecy because the Persians were very different than the Assyrians and the Babylonians. The Assyrians and the Babylonians, especially the Assyrians, ruthless people. You can see up there where I put, I, a lot of, after a lot of the kingdoms, you see where it says sin, violence, and oppression. I mean, they were just ruthless people. But the Persians were different. They thought that if we allow you to keep your customs and we don't uproot you, maybe you won't rebel against us. So the Persians were the ones that actually rescued the children of Israel and allowed them to go back to their promised land. Maybe, maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't. And, and, I, and, her, and hopefully you've heard of Cyrus the Great. He's a person in history. So the, the Persians come in, they conquer the Babylonians, and that's kind of where the Old Testament ends. It goes dark. Not a super great praise morally. And then there's silence from heaven for 400 years. No prophecies, 
nothing. We don't, we don't, have, we don't hear anything until like 6 AD. It's going to be a long time before we pick up with the virgin birth. Well, there's actually a lot happening in that silence. So Alexander the Great, have you heard of him? So Alexander the Great comes in and he actually conquers the Persian army. Alexander the Great dies and his four generals divide his kingdom. One of them, whose name is up there, Seleucus, actually becomes the new leader of Israel. His group takes over Israel. And then it's not until Rome comes in that Rome actually takes over uh, what Seleucus started. And so when we pick up in the New Testament, most of you who read the New Testament realize that they're in what? They're, they're, in, they're under the rule of Rome. Well, that's how they got there. It was one conquering after the other. So let's go to the, the last piece here. So, so by this time, when we catch up to the children of Israel, the children of Israel are no longer a kingdom. They're no longer a family group. They're no longer, a, uh, they're no longer colonies. They're just like this small remnant under Roman control. Okay? And in the New Testament, when Jesus comes to them and says, your kingdom come, they thought, what they had always seen is that kingdoms rise and fall by violence. So when Jesus rode into town on a donkey and saying, my kingdom comes a different way, if you hang out with me, I'll show you that. Now you can understand why that was so hard for them to hear. Does that make sense? Because Rome was really big. Rome was was really powerful. However, in 1380 AD, so the first Christian nation on earth was Armenia in 1303, but in 1380, Rome became a Christian nation. Rome decided to allow Christianity to permeate all of the things that they did, and for the first time in human history, we see the kingdom of God infiltrate our superpower, right? Not just this group of nomadic people kind of wandering through the desert. And what happens after that? After that point, if you guys will follow your history books, what happens? We have several reformations, but on the backs of Christianity, what do we find? We don't find violence. We don't find um, a message of, of chaos and destruction. What do we find? Your kingdom come is the thing that brought freedom to so many cultures. The reason why slavery was abolished was because people looked at the kingdom of God and said, I don't see slavery there. Does that make sense? The thing that led to schools being built, science, medicine, women's suffrage, were people saying, I don't see oppression in the kingdom of God. So something out here needs to change. Amen? And this nation has been the world's largest superpower now for... This nation is not good with its history. But anyway, we won't go there. But anyway, this nation, as it distances itself from God, what do we see? More and more what? Violence. What? Chaos. What? Oppression. It's moving backwards, right? Because where did it start? It started with an idea on the back of of Christianity. Does that make sense? Okay. So the first point, let's go ahead and throw it up on the screen. Our history reminds us that only God's kingdom truly works. Amen? It's the only one that really works. And 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 the reason why I wanted to give you a history lesson first is because people will say God's kingdom works, but they don't realize that we've actually tried other kingdoms before. Right? In the 19th century, we tried kingdoms without any kind of deity, right? We tried that in Germany. We tried that in Cambodia. We tried that in China. And how did that go? Very not good, right? <laughs> so that was, that was the worst century in human history. So we know that only God's kingdom works. Amen? So, that's, so, so for the first century Jew to hear them say, your kingdom come, that's where their mind would go. Okay, so let's go on to the next part of the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done. Pastor Brett, who's not here this morning, just got done leading a, a series for the men's group called um, The Gospel. It was called The Gospel, but he was trying to explain to us 
what the gospel means. He, he articulated that if you get people in a room and ask them, what does the gospel mean? Like if I was to ask you, sir, you, ma'am, you, ma'am, what do you think the gospel is? He was saying, we'd probably get different answers, right? And so he wanted to put all that to rest and say, here is what the Bible says the gospel says. And he summed it up in three words. You ready? This is going to be so revolutionary, right? Jesus is Lord. Now you hear that and you think, I already know that, right? Jesus is Lord. I found that study so very challenging because he went 100 miles deep. If you didn't get to hear it, it wasn't recorded. Talk to, find a guy in here, talk to him about it. It was great. But one of the things that Brett said was that not only is Jesus Lord, but his intention is to make you as one of his heirs a Lord. And what he's, what he's doing, so many people think that when we come to Christ, it's about losing power, right? This question of Jesus, I, Jesus inviting you to hang out with him. So many of us think, well, I don't want to hang out with you because if I hang out with you, I got to stop doing all the things that I like, right? Like I got to watch those movies, like those Christian movies, Lord. You know, I've got to, I've got to like, I've got, I can't, you know, I got to leave all the cool people, you know, and we, and we, and so sometimes we don't want to hang out with God because we think that submitting to God would be a loss of power. Does that make sense? But it's actually the other way around. You're already powerless. And without God, you never gain any power. Does that make sense? But when you come to God, God actually gives you power because God says, you're my child. So we, the, the, in the church, money gets a bad rap. Uh, power gets a bad rap. Access. Listen, the church uses those things in, in her mission. Money and power and access isn't a bad thing. They're only bad things when they're not submitted to Christ. Amen. And so when Jesus says, when the next verse said, your will be done, it really spoke to me because I have been a person who, as I've come to the Lord, have had seasons where I've just told God, like, I don't want to submit to you. And maybe I'm the only one. I don't, I don't know. But like, I've, I've, like, I've literally like argued with God. Like, I have literally gotten up in the morning and pouted, right? Like a, like a grown man pout, right? Like, I don't want to submit. I want to do my own thing. And what was interesting was as I, as I said yes to the question of will you hang out with me, I fell in love with God. I figured out that God was somebody safe, that God was somebody trustworthy, and that God was someone that as I laid my power down, it was not that I lost power, it's that I gained it. So let's throw the next point up here. The second point is this. Your personal history reminds you, reminds me, that only God's will in our life is what truly works. Amen. Can anybody testify to that? That when we do it God's way, it's the only way that really works. I, I remember that there were so many seasons in my life where I would just tell God, like, I'm going to just take a break from you for a second, and I'm going to go over here and make this work. And then I would come back out of the rain, bloody, you know, crying. And, 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 and the Lord would say, how was that? And I would say, it was terrible, thank you. <laughs> you know, and he would kind of dust me off, and he would say, welcome back, son. I've got a meal ready for you. And I'd say, that's so great, thank you. So that's... That's, that's really, even for the first century mind, to hear them say, your will be done, their idea of the Lord had actually changed quite a bit. So we saw in the Old Testament synagogues, well, in the New Testament, we see kind of this transition to sanctuaries, and a lot of the Greek mythology is starting to permeate. That's what Alexander the Great kind of contributed to mankind, was what we call Hellenization. I mean, he began to spread Greek ideals through the entire world. And so it's kind of starting to confuse things. Now we have Pharisees and Sadducees. So for Jesus to say, will you just hang out with me? 
can, I, can you just follow my will in your life? It's the question he's asking you that he's been asking us all throughout history, okay? So we're gonna get to this final point. You're not gonna be here long, so go us. Um, so, so for this final section of this prayer, on earth as it is in heaven, by a show of hands, how many people in here have been or, or are currently an athlete? By a show of hands. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. And by a show of hands, how many people in here have been or are currently in the military? We thank you very much for your service. Those two aspects, the military, athletics on on various levels, are really marked kind of by one thing. And that one thing is sacrifice. There's a lot of discipline, there's a lot of training, but really it's sacrifice. And as you, as you look at how mind-numbing and soul-crushing and just how hard and you hear the horror stories about how hard these things are, why do people go into them? Well, I propose that people go into them for, for, for namely two reasons. The first is usually because at some point you run into someone who inspires you, who motivates you. It could be a coach. It could be a commanding officer. It could be a recruiting officer. It could be a family member. Someone who gives you some kind of a vision of what your life could be if you entered one of those things. Someone who provides training, feedback, guidance. But the second thing I think that allows people to, to sign up for um, these very sacrificial roles, I think is because they have some kind of vision in mind, something they want to accomplish, whether that be stopping evil, right, near and abroad, whether that be freedom, right, winning a trophy, winning a title. My, my concern in Christianity is I think that there's times where we see the sacrifice of the cross, but we don't have a vision of what's in store for us, and we don't know the coach. And I, and I actually think that it's, it's something that's hurting us as a, as a body, is that there's many people who are trying to be a good Christian, they're trying to say, I'm trying to crucify the flesh, I'm trying to be good in my marriage, I'm trying to be good at work, I'm trying to be good on, on the highway, that guy cut me off, hang on, I'm trying to be good, hang on, I'm trying to, wait a minute, wait, no, not that finger, I'm trying to be good, you know? And so like, we, 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 we try to go through the sacrifices, however, I think... With anything that requires great sacrifice, it requires an even greater vision, amen? amen? It requires even greater training, even greater time with the coach. And, and, and yet, I ask Christians, what, what's heaven like? And you know a lot of times what we say? Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of boring. I don't know if I want to go there. Right? Like, all we do is praise God, really? Is there like nachos in between or anything? You know, like, I don't, I, forever? <laughs> I might need to go to the restroom, you know? Like, there's, like, we're, like we're, we're not sure what to expect, right? But then even with, even with, like, the coach, the commanding officer, like, how many people, how many of you who were in athletics would have been successful if you had, like, no coach feedback, right? Like, it's impossible, right? But then we're expected to run this race, and most people have never met the coach. You ask them, like, what is God like? Well, I got the chills this one time. Well, I was eating pancakes. Think that was Jesus. <laughs> well, that's, that's cool, you know? But it's like, I think God has more for us than that. Amen? It's okay to say that. So in this last section, what I want to do, we've talked about how they would have heard your kingdom come, right? The first century mind would have said, I have a relationship to what kingdoms are, 
and yet you're proposing something different. We've talked about your will be done in our life, but now with this last verse, this last verse actually speaks to our soul. On earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what heaven is? I'm gonna summarize heaven for you. You ready? This is also gonna be just like ground shaking. Heaven is where God is. The point of heaven and I might get a little excited. That's okay. Let's just let it happen. So the, 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 the point of heaven is for those who have answered in the affirmative, yes, God, I want to hang out with you. I want to be with you. Then your reward is his presence forever. Does that make sense? With no interruption. I, I believe that for those of us that might struggle to envision heaven, do you know what I, I believe you can envision? I think all of us can, in, can relate to desire. I think all of us in here feel this desire that it just, it feels like it never gets satisfied. You never get enough time with your loved ones, right? There's never enough money. There's never enough sleep. Heaven, there's never enough sleep, right? There's, there's never enough of the good things in life. We, we, we are so desperate. When the stimulus check comes, I see people who it's like, they're, it's like, oh, I just, I so desperately need just like a little bit more money, Right? I so desperately just need like a little bit more, a little bit more time with my kids, right? I so I just need I just need one more promotion, right? We but, but it's never, it's never satisfied. And for me, what I have found in my life is spending time with Jesus. The Bible says in John, it says in John six thirty five, it says, "I provide bread that you'll eat it and you'll never hunger again." In John 4, 14, he says, I provide water that you'll drink and you'll never thirst again. That hunger in you is for God. And when you hear your child come up to you or your friend and they say, can we just spend a little time? I just need a little bit more of your presence. They're not actually asking for you. There's a part of them that's reaching beyond you, that's looking for God. When you find people that you share the gospel with and they just can't seem to get enough of your time, if, you, if they even get a glimpse of God in you and they're like, hey, can we, can we go to lunch? Maybe, maybe, we can just, maybe I can just stop by for a second. Maybe we could just talk. They're not actually asking for you. They have a hunger that they, they can't feel anywhere else. And they sense something in you. They sense something about your demeanor and something about your presence. And there are people in this world who's, and in those of you watching online, you might be in, some people are in a really hard situation. There are people who are, who are being harmed and they, they, just, they just need freedom and they just need God. And that is found in Jesus, amen? amen? And that is found when we are able to bend our knee and realize that all heaven is is when the hunger is finally satisfied or we finally get enough. And, and, and let me tell you, let me tell you, I used to not be excited about heaven. I didn't. I wasn't. I'm honest. I'm, 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 I, I wasn't. I was like, I was excited for like, you know, football season and hot wings. And that was kind of it, you know? And, and, but, but now I, I love my wife. My wife is here. She's so beautiful. I would die for my wife any day. I, when we have kids, I'm going to be so excited. I love my friends. I love my church. But there is nothing I want more than Jesus. There's, there is nothing in this. Like, there's no promotion. There's no job. You know, there are people who look at me and they're like, why is he? He shouldn't be up there talking. Like, what, what is he doing? And you know what? It doesn't matter what you think because God loves me. And my, when I spend time with Jesus, he declares identity over me. And you can't take that from me. I can't lose that. God is just... He, what he wants for this church, what he wants for this country is he wants you to know that if 
what we stand to gain in heaven is something that you can't lose based on how you vote. You can't lose based on how you look. You can't lose based on how you, know, you drive in traffic. It doesn't matter. And I feel like we don't get fired up about the love of Christ because we've lost sight sometimes about what it means to just sit with Jesus. Does that make sense? Just to hear Jesus say, will you just spend a little bit more time with me? So my challenge for you guys as you go through your week this week is to hear the Holy Spirit asking you to turn the the music off, turn the social media off, turn the, the news off, and to just hang with him. Does that make sense to just sit with him? Because as I sit with him, my love grows. As I sit with him, my, the, the things that I have in my life that I used to grip onto, I give up so much easier. And I'm not by any stretch a perfect person, but I serve a perfect God who loves me. And so I want his kingdom to come. Amen. I want his will to be done. I want it to be on earth as it already is in heaven. Amen. So we're going to pray. And I want to just encourage us as we go through the rest of the season to not just see the Lord's Prayer as just another prayer. as just something else that we just, because how many of you can just turn your, brain, your brains off and just, you know, just kind of say the thing, right? I challenge you when you leave here today to hear the Holy Spirit saying, will you, just, will you just hang with me? Will you just spend a little more time with me? Is that okay? Okay, so we're going to pray, and then we're going to transition to communion, and the band's going to come back up. Um, so Heavenly Father, we thank you for We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you that your kingdom has no end. Father, we thank you that that you can be trusted, that the desires of our heart are only satisfied in you. We teach us how to hang out with you, how to just spend more time with you, Father, that your love pursues us. It's your name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand with me and your baskets are little cups like this. And I invite everyone in here to receive the body and blood of Jesus with us. We practice here a, a communion table that is open for all of those. The, the, the question today is if you want to see the kingdom of the Lord come into your life, well, then you're invited to receive the bread and the cup with us this morning. So I invite you to take the bread. Maybe lift it with me. And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread like this and he lifted it up before his disciples. And he said, this is my body broken for you. So I invite you to to break your bread. And this is a mystery that our God's body was broken for us. And so, Lord, we thank you that You, God, came to this earth fully human, fully divine, and your body was broken so that we might have grace and mercy in our lives, that your death would cover over the sins of our lives, that we might be in communion with you. So, Jesus, we receive your body this morning. Let's receive the bread together. On that same night, he took a cup. said, this cup is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we receive a cup now in remembrance of the mystery that Christ's blood was shed for us. Let's receive the cup together. So Lord, we 
stand in awe as your church of your kingdom reigning in our lives, reigning in this world. Lord, we thank you. We praise your holy name because you, God, became human. One of us became flesh. And Lord, your body, your blood was broken and shed for us. So Lord, we have a seat at your table. This is what communion is. We, we sit at your table with you, God, and receive the mystery of your salvation. So we praise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's sing this last song together.